Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What will the Cowboys' 53-man roster look like come August? Well, we're here to answer that question, Tom. Uh, you and I, <laughs> as uh, it's never too early to look at how the Cowboys may shake out when it comes to the roster decisions that they have upcoming. And at least as we sit here looking back after the draft, we sort of know how that shakes out. Uh, welcome in, of course, to the Riled Up podcast Riled up on the Cowboys with my man Tom Ryle and your boy Roy White. You can, of course, follow him at Tom Ryle BTB, and you can follow me at RW3 on the Twitter sphere. And, of course, follow all the great content at bloggingtheboys.com and at bloggingtheboys on Twitter. You can also find them on any social media platform out there available. And make sure to hit that subscribe button on the YouTube page as well. Tom, this was a fun exercise when you texted me and said, hey, why don't we just take a couple stabs and see what this thing might look like as we get, obviously, into August and ultimately into September when the Cowboys cut down to 53. Remember, they will hold 90 players on the roster until the final day of cutdowns, Tom, and that's a new wrinkle that the NFL has introduced this season. Uh, they were starting to stretch that extension of of players and the timeline in which they would be cut anyway later and later into the offseason and i think it's a positive move as teams trend more and more towards not even playing and risking their best players in the latter part of training camp it makes sense to keep these guys around as long as possible but that also means the cowboys will have a lot of data to make these decisions and we don't have a lot of data so tom in fairness yeah. We're making our decisions based on gut feelings, a little bit of instinct, a little bit of uh, a little bit of prognostication. And with that, Tom put together the article of his 53, and I'll have a couple of uh, of disputes on my side as well. Yeah, and and it also has to do, I think, just with the fact that another reason why I like them having just one cut down is that they they really need to focus now the, those preseason games on the evaluation process for what they don't know. They know that Dak is going to be starting. Uh, you know they know <laughs> they know who their five best offensive linemen are right now. Uh, you know they know who the starters are going to be at at edge. You know now that we found out that Micah Parsons is a full time edge and not going to be switching back and forth at linebacker, which ties back into the draft. And the draft threw some curves at us, which factor into all of this. So, yeah, uh, and and we talk about 53. We really know that we're just looking at the 50-man roster to a large extent and because there's three specialists. We know who two of them will be. We know that 
probably the kicker is not on the roster yet. I'm, I've, I mean, we may get surprised. Uh, they, they may wind up deciding, uh, you know, that they're going to keep Tristan Vizcano, but uh, I'm just, a lot of this stuff is just kind of, you know, nibbling at the edges because we could probably sit down and pick out 40 to 45 players that we both are certain are going to be on the roster if they're healthy. Uh, so we just don't know for sure uh, exactly how that's going to go out. And so this is a chance to try to sit here, factor in the fact that we now know the draft class. We now have the uh, undrafted free agents designated. So it's going to be a lot of fun to try to figure out exactly what we think we know and then look back in a few months and realize how much we didn't know. <laughs> well, let's start then with a place that we could start out feeling extremely confident about what we know on the offensive side of the ball, right? And I got to take my lumps uh, from my predictions about what the Cowboys would do in the draft. I thought they would go heavily towards the offensive side of the ball and they stunned mm-hmm. us all by zigging when everybody thought they would zag. And I think next week we'll examine some of the narratives that the Cowboys might've busted in just one off season in yeah. regards to how they prepare and approach uh, an, an upcoming season. But with that being said, we do know who the quarterback's going to be and we know who the backup's going to be in most cases, Dak Prescott, QB one, and our good buddy, Cooper Rush, QB2. You had Will Greer as QB3. I left him off my 15-man group because I think they can maybe play the same game that they played last year, sneak him on via the practice squad, and call him up if needed. Or there's one other name that's floating around out there that has some ties to Dallas and has played some football here recently professionally and done a decent job of it. Now the competition hasn't been great, but of course we're all talking about the upside down Dallas brander, Ben DiNucci. And surely you've seen this hat that's now everywhere all over the star as well as seemingly everywhere with every athlete in the Metroplex. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if I was the first to start that discussion, but I've certainly been trying to push it because it makes a lot of sense. The only thing is that I don't know how they parted. Were they on good terms? Is he happy? Would he be happy to be back here, or did he feel like he was not handled properly? Uh, and that's something that's just outside of our our knowledge and. I just think it would be interesting to see it's since they, when they didn't draft a quarterback that, okay. It, they had other things that fell back. What really made me think they're going after a veteran in some way is that they didn't sign a UDFA quarterback and they always try to carry four. So in essence, that QB three may be a little bit TBD. So we'll have to see how that goes. Moving on to the running back position again, feel pretty confident about this one after the draft, Tony Pollard, RB one, but knowing that he is going to be eased back into his efforts. I do think Malik Davis starts out at the two 
has a little bit more experience in that regard at the NFL and will know the playbook a little bit more. And then Deuce Vaughn comes in at, at RB3, and I'm perfectly fine rolling with those three running backs. Agreed? Well, I know. <laughs> I, first off, RB1 and RB2 are not – that may not be a good designation because you can also almost look at that change of pace back that Deuce Vaughn will be as a separate category. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically we know they're going to be on the roster after, after the, the feel good story of Deuce Vaughn getting called by his dad to tell him he was being drafted by the Cowboys, and how he fell and wound up with his favorite team after all. And just the way that guy played in college. Oh my gosh. He's, he just had incredible numbers, you know, forget the five, five, this guy's a, a baller. I think that I, I think they like to carry four just looking back, uh, although that may be more towards the end of the season than the beginning. But, you know, running backs do get worn down. And I've got my pet cat. Of course, I think he's everybody's pet cat among the UDFAs, and that's Hunter Lepke, who, who is listed as a fullback, but I don't count him as a fullback because he does – Everything he fills every conceivable role. He's a blocker. Yeah, he's good good at blocking. He's also a very good runner, not just short yardage, but he can break it open and go down the field a good bit. And he's great as a pass catcher. Um, I think he's gonna make the roster, and then I believe they'll carry a fourth one. And I'm I mean, I, I don't know because until we see them in training camp, uh, this is just a wild guess. I, I think Ronald Jones will slip in uh, with Malik Davis uh, maybe sliding uh, onto the practice squad or something. But that's kind of how I look at it. And, and Jones is really just a placeholder, just a, a guy I think I think will have enough left in the tank. And with his experience, they'll want to go with him. So full disclosure, I know in looking at your article, you split the 50 right down the middle, right? 25 on offense, 25 on defense. I actually had 27 on defense and 23 on offense. So I am just going to roll with my three, uh, no fullback in this one, although I can can understand the argument from your side on that. Uh, But I think – again come the start of the season right and that's where this all is because i agree with you about deuce vaughn his evolution will be a guy that could potentially even play the slot for this team and fill that role the in the way that Cavante turpin didn't uh because he is just so dynamic in short and small spaces but having said that i don't know if they're gonna roll him out week one or at least as we get that 53 man ready, I don't know if they'll roll him out into that prominent position. And I don't expect to see a lot of him in the early going, which I think is a good thing. They should keep him in their back pocket as a weapon to be utilized, something to save for teams a little bit later on the road, on down the road. You always want to have something to that extent. And I think the Cowboys have enough weapons elsewhere that they can get by in the early part of the season without necessarily having to put a lot of strain on Deuce Vaughn and a lot of miles on Deuce Vaughn to pick up the offense so quickly. Yeah. I, I guess we'll just have to disagree on that because I think he's got enough. They want him on the field. 
Uh, and let's face it, if that guy had been 5'10", 5'11", he would have been gone by the second round with his numbers, his performance, his ability. He's just small. And that just throws a lot of NFL teams off of him. They don't want to have anything to do with a little guy like that. They don't really know how to use him. Mm. I'm betting that uh, McCarthy and Schottenheimer were, are going to figure that out. So I think it's just, Hey, fine with me. Uh, I would love it if they figure out a way to, to weaponize him in, in more ways than one at the wide receiver position, top three, easy pickings, lambs, cooks, gallops, easy. Uh, beyond that, I think Turpin is an easy one. He may not be the number four wide receiver, but I think he's the surest to make the roster beyond those three because of his special teams capabilities. And then I also added semi Fahoko and Jalen Tolbert. Tolbert not really getting an opportunity to show himself because of the injuries and just not being able to get, you know, find himself onto the field. And, and for Fahoko, probably his last opportunity to make any type of statement uh, before his days in Dallas are numbered, if they aren't already. Yeah. Fahoko is the one who's got everybody coming after him, assuming they carry six. Uh, and uh, they're, you know, they've got a lot of guys on the roster that they think may have something. You know, they drafted the one guy in the seventh round. Uh, and, and I think he's going to be a practice squatter. I think that's the long-term plan for him. That's, that happens a lot with seventh round picks. Uh, I, you know, wide receiver is always one of the most fun things to watch, especially if they can get decent play out of the backup quarterbacks during preseason. So the, the wide receivers have a chance to perform. So yeah, that's that, that one, Man, there's no telling. And and like I said, they may roll with just five if, say, the tight ends are really producing and Vaughn gets incorporated more as a slot and they use Tony Pollard more in the receiving game. They might not feel they need to roll with six, but I think they will because that's also a good place to get your special teamers. And that's that's something that you have to look at. There's a couple names on here that we know are there for special teams, Turpin being one of them. And Fahoko is probably a good resource for a gunner or something. No doubt. Uh, I apologize because I skipped over your uh, listings. I did wide receiver first on mine, so... Forgive no, me for that's going okay. on that. That's fine. Moving to the other pass catchers, though, the tight end position, another spot where you went heavier than I did. I'm just going with the three. Uh, the two main, the two stays in Ferguson and Hendershot, and then obviously the second round draft pick out of Michigan. Yeah, and and I just I have all three of them. I think I think that Schoonmaker Schoonmaker rather is going to be the tight end won sooner rather than later. He may not be at the very beginning of the season, but that was probably I'm, the intrigue of this one here for me. Like that you put him as tight end one to start. I don't know. I still feel like one of the other guys will have just a little bit more of a leg up in that regard, simply because tight ends are asked to do so much, right? They've yeah. got to be involved 
in along the line and learn how to pass block in the NFL and play that position correctly. They've got to learn how to run all the routes necessary on the inside. They've got to learn, obviously, the option route portions of it. They may have to be involved in some special teams if they're young guys in most cases, whether it's blocking for kicks, right, or kick return type of situations. And then also with the Cowboys, right, they'll line a tight end up in the backfield as well and be a blocker in that scenario. So in in retrospect, because I wrote mine ahead of looking at yours, now that I see yours, that fourth name that you added there, I think is a very astute one. I, I would go back and almost amend that. I would add Sean McKeon as a yeah, part of and, my and, list as well. Because the Cowboys love tight ends and the versatility that they offer on the football field. And I will say that the things you talked about are why I think Schoonmaker winds up as the tight end one because he is better at all of the faucets facets of the game than Ferguson or Hendershot. Ferguson is seen, I think, more as the rundown blocking type tight end. Uh, that's kind of been his uh, his main usage. Hendershot is the guy that goes deeper. Schoonmaker does. All of that well, and I think with coaching, he'll do better. And one of the most telling things is if you watch the, the some of the cut-ups of his play, his ball, the passes he was throwing in college tended to be like two feet behind him. You get that ball out in front of him, and I think he can rock. So, anyway, now I think we come to the fun part of this Ooh, exercise it gets interesting from here right the non-flashy positions but the positions that are oh so important nevertheless and ones that cowboys have invested in heavily in years past although not this year tom no real significant new additions to speak of along the offensive line just guys that have either been here or uh you know been here right yeah, <laughs> that's that's it. And we all we all know who the top five are. You know, the two Smiths, Biotish, Martin, and Steele. Then you get into the Jokers. Is Steele going to be a hundred percent ready to go to start the season? That will change things rapidly. So I kind of took, you know, the indications are the team expects him to be. So I rolled with him as being there to start the season. Um, and I went ahead and went with the idea of Tyler Smith at guard so that Tyron can be the left tackle. I don't know that's necessarily for sure. If that's not true, it then I'd have to go back and redo the whole thing, kind of. But I think they will go in with uh, end of the season with carrying eight for game day. So they can have them act all active and, and have the depth they need. I think that one of the surprises of camp is going to be Matt Willetsko. I think he's going to wind up earning the swing tackle job under the scenario where you've got Tyron and Terrence playing as your starters. Uh, the uh, the draft pick, Asim Richards, will, uh, I think, have a spot they do tend to protect those and i think uh chuma adoga the free agent signing they made mm -hmm. will be the other backup 
with one of them backing up Tyler Biotis as well. Okay, so it might surprise you to know that we are not that far off at all. Um, in fact, all eight guys you named are guys that I have on my 53-man as well. And I simply added one more because I think they may go one offensive lineman heavy, and that was Matt Farniok. Um, I think because of the versatility of him having some experience of potentially playing center as well, uh, I did go light in some of the skill positions, lighter than you did, right? I went one less quarterback, one less running back, one less tight end, so I can afford to perhaps go one more offensive lineman here with my scenario, and I, I feel comfortable in, with that. Even though, again, I can see uh, all eight of those guys seem to be the ones kind of in the in the driver's seat at their yeah, positions. I, now, I reserve the right, I think, also, though, this is one that they could cycle, either, be, you know, be it from players that get cut from other teams when that 90-mound cutdown takes place, or might they convince Jason Peters to – come back out of retirement one more time if he gets to play close to home and gets to do it at a decent clip in terms of compensation and doesn't have to be relied upon to play starter minutes and snaps, perhaps. I think that's still a possibility. Yeah, I I kind of don't have him on my radar anymore, but no, who dropped knows? him. Dropped him. Yeah, he, he he but he would love to have to come in and sign with just enough time to get ready for the first game. He doesn't want to go through training camp. Well, and and there's going to be a point like that's a, this perhaps a side discussion for the future, but I think the Cowboys are going to have a point. There are so many athletes that are making like Dallas, their retirement spot, you know, or their families from around here. I think, at some point it, within like the next decade, they may have a collection of guys that they can draw from who, Hey, I don't want to go play <laughs> anywhere else, but I'll play close to home. And that's the Cowboys. Cause so yeah. many guys work out at the star already anyway, right? They basically open the facility up to any NFL players that want to come and take advantage of it in the off season. Yeah. Just to give them a, be... just to give them a taste, Tom. Yeah, just, it's, yeah, they're not allowed to recruit players openly, but... But, hey. right, they are allowed to provide their world-class facilities, uh, have a conversation maybe in the cafeteria. Not tampering, of course. We don't we don't condone that. Yeah. Uh, no. With that being said, though, I don't think... I, I'm, I'm a little surprised there aren't more surprises between us on the offensive side of the ball. Of course, injuries and things of that nature could certainly affect that equation but i think the offense in general i could comfortably say that we would probably agree on like 20 of 21 20 or 21 guys that'll be on the offensive side of the ball yeah and uh another thing to remember is there are some udfa names they're very interested in who could elevate themselves and get into this mix Mm -hmm. i just um I'm not going to predict any of those right now with not having seen them even walk out onto a practice field. Well, another interesting examination that perhaps I should take on is to just see how many unrestricted free agents the Cowboys have kept 
on a year to year basis, not, excuse me, unrestricted, um, not unrestricted free agents, undrafted, undrafted uh, free yeah. agents. I would, I probably should go back and take a look at those numbers because it feels like they have kept a fair amount over the years. Uh, yeah. And I, I cursed my memory. I wrote something about that not too long ago. And they had, I think, if you count practice squad, I think they kept five or six from last season. Uh, I think they had Hendershot and then five made the practice squad. So they do love their UDFAs. I just think they're going to like Lip- Lipke the best. Well, let's move on to the other side of the ball then. Again, Tom's got 25 names here. I've actually got 27 that I'm going to be keeping because I think they want to give Dan Quinn all the ammunition he could ask for. And I think he'll know how to utilize it to keep these guys fresh, keep everybody involved. And quite frankly, I mean, I just had a damn hard time, Tom, getting rid of guys on the defensive side of the ball that I know can contribute. Yeah, and it it hurt. (laughs) There were some names I really didn't want to do this. Um to be to be completely honest, uh, I, I just, I just, like I said, I just when I looked at the offense, I felt like I can't go as much lighter there. They often do go a 24-26 or a 23-27 split, and with Dan Quinn loving the rotational bodies, that's a place they often do go heavy is on defense since Quinn's been there. So. Again, but I also go think ahead. if they're taking a more philosophical like shift in approach with Mike McCarthy taking over the play calling and potentially, you know, we're hearing all these whispers about them wanting to be a run and D type of team. That's not really thrilling to hear. But if that is the strategy, then they're going to want to keep their defense as fresh as possible. And I, I think they have the horses to bring guys in consistently who are not significant drop-offs from, you know, the next group, right? Obviously Micah and Tank are a class above themselves, but the guys that they can bring in second behind them and the guys that they can bring in third are kind of all on the same playing field, in my opinion, and can all contribute and have an impact. So let's start on the, on the right side of the defensive line. We've obviously got Tank Lawrence and that's a no brainer. Uh, uh, excuse me, you you had Micah Parsons, but, you know, whether you're going right or left, whatever it's going to be, they're going to switch sides, obviously. But uh, let's start yeah. with Micah then on the on the outside. Yeah, the Micah. transition has begun. Yeah, Micah. And then I think his primary backup is Dorrance Armstrong. And um, DeMarcus's primary backup, I believe, is going to be Sam Williams. That's what I had. And then I've got Viliami Fahoko, who could actually be on both on either side. I don't know exactly. I think he's probably more a right defensive end uh, because I believe the designation is the, from the team's perspective. You know, their right is the other team's left. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's the five I've got there because there's a little caveat on one of the guys on in in the middle of the line. Who do you, do you I, have? Ian I have different? all five agreed. Fahoko Jr. there. I also added Dante Fowler. I yeah. think they will bring him back to have an impact. And I just had one more guy in the mix in Tack McKinley. Like, 
I know he's a pet cat of Dan Quinn's because he's basically followed him here and stayed with him since his time in Atlanta. He didn't really have any impact or chance to make an impact last year, but I feel like they've kept him around to give him that opportunity. And I could see him squeezing through here without really a much better name to put in front of him, but also feeling like Dan Quinn is going to want his weapons, right? He's going to want his bullets to fire. So give me one more bullet with uh, Tack McKinley and Dante Fowler there uh, over so the got se- five that you had. You got seven total out on the edge. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, Fowler, I think, uh, I, I, you know, I do think they'll just have to make a decision and he's the guy that's going to be out because I don't know that they can carry six here. If they carry six, he's the guy. McKinley, I think they'll try to sneak onto the practice squad for emergency call up again. Yeah. Now in the, the middle, that's, you know, Mozzie Smith was the big shocker that kind of just set off the whole sequence of events. And he, I think is incredibly needed. And I think you've got you're going to have him and Jonathan Hankins as their you know starter backup, and it means that we're probably not going to see the drop off in run defense that we seemed to see last season when Hankins was injured. As a matter of fact, the whole defense seemed to perform more poorly without him. So I think those two are both locks for me, and then along with them, I've got Osa Adizua, Neville Gallimore, who's Maybe it'll shake your ground than a lot of people realize. Mm. And I've got Chauncey Goldston because he is now considered part of the defensive tackle room, but he's quite capable of lining up out on the edge, which means that when Dan Quinn starts getting his little mad scientist laboratory and cooking up alignments, you could see something wild like, like a Parsons, Lawrence, Goldston, Sam Williams force them out there on a passing down where everybody's going to come tearing after the, the, uh, the quarterback. I love it. Love all five of the guys you named. I think the way that you described their usage is exactly right. Mozzie slides in right in as the number one and Hankins, not much of a drop off at the two spot. I also did keep Quentin Bohanna because I think they believe, you know, I'm surprised you didn't, to be honest, because I know you you had him as a little bit of a pet cat a year ago. But uh, I just, again, think they're going to want to have extra horses along the defensive line to be able to keep guys fresh. Keeping Bohanna does that and gives them just a little bit more juice there. But I could easily see him getting squeezed off as well. It's not very often that the Cowboys have kept more than two run stuffing defensive tackles. So I do have to acknowledge that that's not historically something the Cowboys have leaned on. And it's probably unlikely <laughs> that Bohanna is the guy, but a gut, just a gut about it says maybe, maybe he would. Yeah. I think they will definitely try to get him on the practice squad to have that ready call up mm-hmm. uh, because they, that is part of the calculation. Who can they get on the practice squad and have ready when they need them. And if and it's definitely guy is, with, is a, without showcasing them, without losing them to another team. Yeah. Yeah. So it wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't see a whole lot of action and everybody's thinking, Oh, he's gone. And then bang, he gets, gets on the practice squad because of that. All right. At linebacker LVE, Damone Clark, Overshawn, of course, 
gets a little fuzzy after those three. Yeah, basically, I, I have two more guys, but they really should have that little special teams asterisk mm. because that's why I think the team keeps them. Linebacker is where you pull your some of your special teams talent from. That's why I think Jabril Cox and Devin Harper will both get one more year <laughs> just because they, they won't see the field hardly at all on defense because the Cowboys are going to roll with two and sometimes just one traditional off-ball linebacker. Uh, but Cox and Harper, those those guys are Bones Fossils guys. They're for him to be able to field his coverage teams, and and that's just just the way I see them. It's just just like uh, another guy that that I've got on my list because they have to have those special teams aces. No uh, doubt. I I also uh, had Jabril Cox there as a special teams guy. And then I had Malik Jefferson swapped in for Devin Harper. Could see it going either way, right? No no way at this time to get a feel for how they feel about that position. But Malik Jefferson, to me, was just a more recognizable name, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, and I can, you know, that that's, yeah, that's definitely one of the, you know, we're, we're getting down to what we're talking, the 52nd, 53rd, 50, you know, guy on the, the yes. roster. And so, yeah, those are always subject to churn at any moment. Yeah, the next time I do this, I'm going to include a list of the first four or five out. So the guys that, like, I would immediately let go or don't feel as confident about making the roster. On to the cornerback position. Again, pretty easy for the first three or four. Stephon Diggs – or, excuse me, Trayvon Diggs, (laughs) Stephon Gilmore, (laughs) Jordan Lewis, and Deron Bland, to me, are the locks. Guarantees. Yeah. Yeah, and you can count C.J. Goodwin because he is their special teams hero, and they have to count him somewhere, so he counts against the cornerback room. I think that Eric Scott is going to make it just because they traded back into the the sixth round, the first pick of the sixth round, to get Scott. And that says to me they've got a plan for him. Now – they could go with just five and try to get Scott onto the practice squad. I'm just thinking maybe not. I do not have Eric Scott making the team, but could easily see that being the case, as you mentioned. That's a good nugget that they traded back into the set. But again, it's still trading back into like the late, late rounds where you're not anticipating guys to contribute to your team anyway. So we'll see how that goes at the quarterback position. Finally, for the safeties, we matched up perfectly here. I have Curse, I have Wilson, I have Hooker, I have Mukawamu, and that's pretty easily established considering the decisions they made this offseason to pay a pair of those guys and then also knowing the steps and the strides that Israel Mukawamu has made in the past two seasons, I think everybody in Cowboys land is ready for him to take on a little bit bigger of a role, be it at the safety position or potentially rolling in at cornerback as well. Which is another reason why he's valuable because they love position flexibility. And I think that just locks him into the roster more. And I will mention that another reason I included Scott is because they like to carry nine or 10 corners. And if you take Goodwin as kind of not counting, 
I think they'll have Scott there just to keep the uh, numbers in the secondary up. And that, that comes around to the whole thing of how do they allocate the positions, which is another thing that's kind of baked into this exercise is trying to figure out, okay, you've only got 53 spots. Three of them go for your special teamers right away, your, your specialists. And then how do you do that? Well, you, if you load up somewhere, you've got to unload somewhere else. So that's just, uh, you know, this is just basically a thought starter because we're going to be seeing more come out and then we get real serious about this come about mid-August when we start thinking we've got a feel for the players. Well, I mean, I, I know this is extremely premature, right, as we joke about in the article. But then again, this is the best time to do it and really the perfect time to have the chance to do it now that the roster is virtually set after the NFL draft took place last weekend. So we do appreciate your engagement here with blogging the boys and the blogging the boys content. Make sure you comment there on the page and Tom and I would happy be happy to interact with you there at bloggingtheboys.com. Again, subscribe to the YouTube channel and check out all the great content there at bloggingtheboys.com and of course all the great podcasts here on the blogging blogging the boys podcast network. For Tom, I'm Roy. Y'all stay riled up on the Cowboys and we will see you next Thursday.